Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. We continue with the gospel reading from Mark, the first chapter. Today's gospel reading from Mark, first chapter, verses 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested... Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending to their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord, the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, it's time for the sermon. I'm going to show this quick little clip. Oh, I was going to ask you, do you know what movie it's from? But you probably see that right at the top. Uh, it's one of my family's favorite movies from the 1980s, Clue. And in it, uh, Howard Hessman uh, is the character there in the hat. That's his real name. That's the actor's name. Uses a line that we're about to hear, uh, or that we just heard. So let me play that. As Rich says, he loves this movie. It is, it is such an underrated movie. If you haven't seen the movie Clue, I highly recommend it. Uh, if you remember when it came out, it had three different endings. And when you saw it in the theater, you didn't know which ending you were going to see. But here is that clip. Have you ever given any thought to the kingdom of heaven? What? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You ain't just whistling Dixie. Armageddon is almost upon us. I got news for you. It's already here. Go away. But your souls are in danger. Our lives are in danger, you beatnik. <laughs> so I, I bring that up because at the beginning, at the beginning of the sermon, I talk about how this phrase is typically used. Uh, Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe the good news. Uh, and it's used in the way that it is given in this movie, right? One, you better do this now or else. It's used with fear as its primary motivator. Um, and so I'll talk about that at, uh, at the beginning of the sermon. And I didn't remember this clip until after I recorded it. Otherwise, I would have 
put it in the actual sermon. So we continue on. Morning, everybody. Welcome to the sermon portion of our service. Right at the beginning of our passage, we get a verse, uh, which we probably heard it or heard a version before or associate it with something specific, right? It's the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And I feel like most of the time, if we were to think about where we hear this passage, maybe it's some kind of street preacher. It's somebody who we associate it with uh, fire and brimstone to instill fear at somebody, right? It's like this moment is at hand. If you don't confess your sins and all the things you've done wrong and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, right? If you don't repent, you're going to hell. It's used to bring about the sense of urgency. You better make a decision now because your eternal fate depends on it. And it's used to instill fear in people. And I want to look at it differently. And I don't think it should instill fear because if that is the way we view it, I think that is such a gross misunderstanding of it. But instead, if we really understand what does it mean for the kingdom of God to be at hand, to repent and believe in the good news, I think our reaction will be much more like the disciples to immediately join Jesus in the work that he has called us to. So let's look at those three things. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. But instead of going the order in which they're given in the, in the passage, we're going to go in reverse order. We're going to start with um, the good news and a review of what this good news is and what this good, new, good news isn't. If you remember, which I'm doesn't matter if you do or not. I talked about in a sermon a bit ago about what is the good news and what was it thought of at that time? And then what does that really mean what it is? And remember the time in which this phrase is being used, this good news of Jesus Christ, it was actually being used, this good news of Caesar Augustus. If you remember, we talked about Rome was in a bit of turmoil as Julius Caesar had been killed and who's going to be the next successor and how's that going to look? You need Mark Antony and Cleopatra and you had Octavius or Caesar Augustus and he becomes Caesar Augustus because it is Octavian who defeats Mark Antony and Cleopatra. So the good news was that Octavian slash Caesar Augustus has won. The good news is that Caesar Augustus is the one who's going to bring peace. The good news is that Caesar Augustus is going to be the one in which our lives will be ordered around. Caesar Augustus is the one who's going to do these things. And how did Caesar Augustus do it? The good news of Caesar Augustus is might makes right. The good news is that your wealth and your status are important in the world of Caesar Augustus or the world of the time. The good news is that power comes through military and money. The good news is that peace is kept through violence. All of that encompasses the good news of the day that is represented by Caesar Augustus defeating Mark Antony and Cleopatra and ruling Rome, the Roman world at that time. That was the good news. 
as opposed to the good news of Jesus Christ, in which Christ has overcome those powers to bring justice and peace. That true power is not in might makes right status wealth. True power comes in humility and kindness and generosity and patience and compassion and that all are equal before God. That is the good news. The good news is that as Jesus came to declare it, the powers of the world said, nope, we don't buy it. The powers of the world that confessed might makes right. We are not all created equal. Says, we're going to kill you, Jesus, because you're bringing a different message. The good news is, even though Jesus was killed, the good news is Jesus lives. The good news is the power of love defeated the power of violence and evil. That is the good news. That violence, evil, abuse of power, corruption, inequality, oppression does, doesn't win. The good news is Christ on the cross is what lasts. That's the good news. Now if we work backwards, repent. We repent because just like the people of the day, in Jesus' day, like people throughout the century, throughout the millennia, we would rather believe might makes right. That we put our trust in money and status. That we say humility and compassion is a weakness. And maybe not even just say it. We might say that that compassion is a strength or humility is a strength, but we don't really live that in our lives. To repent is to say that we still live by the ones with the most toys wins. To repent is to say we have the life of Christ and we continually choose a different life, both as a general rule and through individual acts that we repent that there is not equality among us, that we still support and propagate systems of oppression, systems of racism, systems of sexism, systems that enable others to have privilege and to deny it of others. We repent that we turn a blind eye and we justify those systems. We repent of those individual acts that judge others by their worst and judge ourselves by our best. 
To repent is to say the way of Jesus is not our way. To repent is to name it. To repent is to ask for help to return to the path God laid before us. To repent is to say, I have strayed from that path and I want to return to your path, God. Help me do that. To repent is to name those ways, to ask for our eyes to be opened, even when it is painful, to say we have chosen other rules to follow other ways of life that are of not that are not of God. We all do it. Small individual acts and as just systems we participate in as the way we live. To repent is to name it that in the end we'd rather have the good news that accompanied Caesar Augustus than the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. So often we view in that way that I first talked about, right? Repent, admit your sins so you can go to heaven when you die, otherwise you're going to hell. Kingdom of God is at hand means our faith isn't about going somewhere else when we die, but it's experiencing the fullness of life that God intends for us now. When our eyes are opened to see how we have strayed, As Paul puts it, we see dimly in a mirror. We get a glimpse of that full life. That heaven isn't just a place that is somewhere else. That heaven is actually among us. As we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we understand what the good news actually is. When we repent of our ways of not participating in the good news, we actually start to see glimpses of heaven around us, through us, and in us. We get a taste of what is to come. Maybe a better way of putting it is we get a foretaste of the feast that is to come. The disciples in the second part of the scripture, when Jesus calls to them, we hear that they left immediately to join. What happens is Jesus calls us to join him in sharing, living, spreading that message that it's not might makes right, but it's love wins. Kindness matters. Compassion is necessary. Humility is good. 
Generosity is abundant. We are invited by the creator of the universe to join in that message. I don't blame for the disciples leaving immediately. Amen.